एवरीवन सो हेयर इज द लास्ट कल बाय नादिया मुराद पार्ट टू चैप्टर इलेवन आई होप यू आर गोइंग टू लाइक इट सो सो लेट्स गेट स्टार्टेड चैप्टर इलेवन एवरी इस्लामिक स्टेट मेंबर ट्रीटेड मी क्रूली एंड द रेप वाज ऑलवेज द सेम बट आई रिमेंबर ए फ्यू स्मॉल डिफरेंसेज बिटवीन द मैन हु अब्यूज मी हाजी सलमान वॉज द वर्स्ट इन पार्ट बिकॉज ही वॉज द फर्स्ट टू रेप मी एंड इन पार्ट बिकॉज ही एक्टेड द मोस्ट लाइक ही हेटेड मी ही हिट मी इफ आई ट्राई टू क्लोज माई आईज फॉर हिम इट वॉज नॉट इनफ जस्ट टू रेप मी ही ह्यूमिलेटेड मी एज ओफन एज ही गुड स्प्रेडिंग हनी ऑन हिज टोज एंड मेकिंग मी लिक इट ऑफ और फोर्सिंग मी टू ड्रेस एप फॉर हिम मुर्तजा एक्टेड लाइक अ चाइल्ड हु हैड बीन अलाउड ए ट्रीट ही हैड बीन विनिंग फॉर वैन ही केम टू रेप मी and i will never forget the other guards glasses the way he was so gentle with them and so vicious with me a person abu muawa when he came into the room around 8 pm took me by the jaw and pushed me against the wall why are not you resisting he asked it seemed to make him angry i assumed from the amount of hesitancy clothing in his house that he had been with many sabaya and perhaps they all resisted except for me maybe he liked proving that he could have them even if they fought back he was small but he was very strong what's the point i said to him it is not just one man or two or three you all do this how long do you expect me to resist i remember that he laughed when i said that After Abu Muawiya left I fell asleep alone and was woken up later that night by a body behind me in bed it was the man who had been eating bread and yogurt with Abu Muawiya in the kitchen i don't remember his name i remember that my throat hurt from thirst and when i got up to get some water he grabbed my arm i just need to drink something i said i was shocked by my own hopelessness after what happened with the guards at haji salman's i lost all fear of isis and of rape i was just numb i did not ask this new man what he was doing i did not try to convince him not to touch me i did not talk to him at all at some point there was rape and nothing else this becomes your normal day you don't know what who is going to open the door next to attack you just that it will happen and that tomorrow not might be worse you stop thinking about escaping or seeing your family again your past life becomes a distant memory like a dream your body does not belong to you and there is no energy to talk or to fight or to think about the world outside there is only rape and the numbness that comes with accepting that this is your new life fear was better with fear there is the assumption that what is happening is not normal sure you feel like your heart will explode and you will throw up you cling desperately to your family and friends and you grovel in front of the terrorist you cry until you go blind but at least you do something hopelessness is close to death i remember that abu muawiya's friend acted offended when i pulled away from him in the morning after i opened my eyes and saw to my horror that my leg was resting over his since i was a child whenever i slept next to someone i love like my sister mother or brother i put my leg over them to be close to them when i saw i had done that with a terrorist i immediately jumped away he laughed and asked why did you move i hated myself i worried that he would think i cared for him i'm not used to sleeping next to anybody i said i want to rest a little 
he checked the time on his phone and then left to go to the bathroom abu muyawa laid out breakfast on a floor mat and told me to come and eat even though it meant sitting in the kitchen and sharing a meal with the two men who had raped me i rushed to the food i had not eaten since leaving salman's and my hunger was powerful the food was familiar and good dark honey bread eggs and yogurt i ate in silence when the men talked about the mundane chores that would fill their days where to get more gasoline for the generators who would be arriving at what center I did not look at them when we finished Abu Muawa told me to take a shower and put on an abaya we will leave here soon he said back in the room out of the shower i looked in the mirror for the first time my face was pale and yellow and my hair which was almost to my waist was matted and tangled my hair used to bring me so much happiness but now i wanted to have nothing to remind me of how i used to want to be pretty I looked through the dryers for a pair of scissors to cut it off but I could not find any it was so hot in the room i felt that my head was on fire suddenly the door opened and the second man walked in he had a blue dress with him and told me to put it on cannot i wear this instead i asked showing him one of my azizi dresses it would have felt comforting to have that on but he said no He watched me as I dressed and came close to me touching me everywhere you stink he said covering his nose did not you shower do all azizi girls stink like you this is how i smell i told him i don't care if you like it or not your problem on the way out of the house i noticed a small plastic disc a memory card for a cell phone on the table near abu muawa's phone I wondered what could be on it pictures of Sabaya pictures of me planes for Iraq in Kocho I used to love to take people's memory cards and put them into Harry's phone just to see what was on them each one was a small mystery to be solved and they usually said a lot about their owners for a moment i fantasized about stealing the terrorist memory card maybe there were secrets on it that could help hajni find me or the iraqi army retake mosul maybe there was evidence of the crimes isis was committing but i left the card i was so hopeless that i could not imagine anything changing no matter what i did instead i just followed the man outside even about the size of an ambulance was parked on the street outside and a driver stood by the gate waiting he had come from nearby mosul or delafar and while we stood there he updated abu muaya on how the militants were faring in those cities we have great support in both places he said abu muaya nodded his approval they stopped talking when the door to the van opened and three women stepped out like me the women were covered fully in abayas and niqabs they huddled together outside the van one of the figures was much taller than the other two and the smaller figures clutched at the larger figure's abaya and her gloved hands as though waiting for the folds of her abaya to swallow them they paused at the foot of the van turning their heads from left to right looking around them taking in the hamdania compound their eyes peering through the gap in the niqab were full of fear when they landed on abu muaya who watched them closely 
the tall one had her hand on the smallest one's shoulder and was pulling her very close to her plump body the smallest girl might have been as young as 10 i thought it it must be a mother and her two young daughters and that they had all been sold together it is not permissible to separate a mother from her prepubescent children through buying selling or giving away a slave the islamic state pamphlet on sabaya reads mothers stay with their children until those children are grow and mature after that isis can do whatever it wants with them staying close together the three sam walked slowly away from the van toward the small house where i had spent the night the two girls moving around their mother like chicks around a hen clinging to the slippery fabric of her gloves had i been exchanged for them as they passed us i willed them to make eye contact with me but by then they were looking straight ahead one by one they disappeared into the into the darkness of the small house and the door shut behind them it must be terrible to watch your children or your mother or sisters go through what we were going through still i envied them they were lucky isis often violated their own rules and separated mothers from their children and it was so much worse to be alone Abu Muyaba gave the driver some Iraqi dinars and we began driving out of Hamdania. I did not ask where we were going. My hopelessness was like a cloak, heavier, darker and more obscuring than any abaya. In the car the driver played the kind of religious music so popular in ISIS held Mosul and the noise and the motion of the car made me dizzy. Please pull over, I told Abu Muyaba. I need to throw up. The car stopped on the side of the highway and I pushed open the door running a few feet into the sand where I lifted up my niqab and threw up breakfast cars whizzed by and the smell of gasoline and dust made me throw up again Abu Muyaba got out and stood a small distance away watching me to make sure I did not try to run either into the field or into the traffic On the road connecting Hamdania and Mosul there is a large checkpoint before ISIS came to Iraq it was manned by the Iraqi army which wanted to monitor the movements of Al Qaeda linked insurgents now that checkpoint was part of ISIS scheme to control the roads thereby controlling the country you could say that Iraq is a country of checkpoints and the one connecting hamdania and mosul is just one of many that flew the terrorist black and white flag in kurdistan the checkpoints are decorated with a bright yellow red and green kurdish flag and stuffed by peshmerga elsewhere in iraq the checkpoints that are covered in the black red white and green iraqi flag tell you that you are in territory controlled by the central government In the northern Iraqi mountains connecting us to Iran and now in parts of Sinjar the YPC fly their flags over their own checkpoints how can Baghdad or the United States say that Iraq is a unified country you would have to have never traveled along our roads waited in line at our checkpoints or been questioned solely based on the city written on your license plate to think that Iraq is not broken into a hundred pieces At around at around 11:30 in the morning we stopped at the checkpoint get out Nadia Abu Muyaba told me go inside I walked slowly into the small concrete building that served as the guard's office and lounge feeling lightheaded and fragile from nausea nausea I assumed they needed to do some additional checking 
while I waited, so I was surprised when I saw the van drive through the checkpoint and continue along the road to Mosul, leaving me alone. The building was made up of three small rooms. The main room, where a militant sat behind a desk covered in paperwork, as well as two smaller rooms that seemed to be lounges. One of the doors were doors was azar and I could see the iron frame of a twin bed. A girl was sitting on top of the mattress talking to another girl in Arabic. Salam alaikum. The militant said to me looking up from his work. I started walking toward the room with the girls but he stopped me. No, you will go into the other room. My heart sank. I would be alone in there. The small room looked as it had been recently cleaned and painted. A television set dark in the corner and a prayer rug was rolled up beside it. Some fruit had been left on a plate next to the TV and the faint sweet odor from the warm apples made me remember my nausea. I drank from a water cooler that was gurgling against the wall, then sat on a mattress that was on the floor. I was dizzy. I felt like the room was going in circles. Another militant appeared in the doorway. He was young and very skinny. Sabaya, what's your name? He stood still looking at me. Nadia, I said, wincing from a headache. Do you like it here? He asked me. Why? I said, am I going to stay here? Was I going to be kept at this checkpoint, a place that was not even a place? You are not going to stay long, he said, then left. The room started spinning faster and I gagged and coughed, trying to keep the water in my stomach. I was scared that if I threw up, I would get into trouble. Someone knocked on the door. Are you okay? The skinny man's voice came from outside the room. I want to throw up. I said, it is okay if I throw up. No, 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 not here. He said, this is my room. I pray here. Let me go to the bathroom then. I said, I want to wash my face. No, no, he would not open the door. You are fine. You are fine. Just wait. A moment later, he came back with a mug of something hot. Drink this, he said, holding it out to me. You will feel better. The liquid was tinted green and smelled of herbs. I don't like tea, I told him. It is not tea, he said. It will make your headache go away. He sat on the mattress facing me, pursing his lips together and putting his hand on his chest. Drink it like this, he demonstrated breathing in the steam and then sipping the liquid. I was terrified. I thought for sure this was the man who had bought me and any moment he would take his hand off his own chest and put it on mine. Even if he wanted to cure my headache, it was just so that I would be well enough for him to molest. My hand shook while I drank the liquid. Once I had taken a few sips, he took the mug out of my hands and put it on the floor next to the mattress. I started to cry. Please, I said, I just came from other men in this morning. My head hurts. I am really sick. You will be okay, he said. You will be okay. And he started pulling at my dress. It was so hot in the room that I had taken off my abaya and all I was wearing was the blue dress Abu Muayba's friend had brought me that morning. I tried to resist him, yanking my skirt down as soon as he pulled it up and he quickly lost his temper, hitting me hard on my thighs and saying again, You are going to be okay, I said. This time it sounded like a threat. He started raping me with my dress half on and was very fast. And when he finished, he sat up, 
straightened his shirt and said, I will be right back. I am going to see if you can stay here or not. When he left, I pulled my dress back down and wept a little, then picked up the mug and started drinking the herbal water again. What was the point of crying? The liquid was lukewarm, but it helped with my headache. Soon the militant came back, as though nothing had happened between us, and asked me if I wanted more to drink. I shook my head. It was clear by now that I did not belong to the skinny militant or to any particular man. I was a sabaya at the checkpoint and any Islamic State member could come into the room and do whatever he wanted with me. They would keep me in a locked room with nothing but a mattress and a bowl of rotting fruit just waiting for the door to open and another militant to enter. This was my life now. I was still very dizzy when the skinny man left and I thought maybe it would help to stand up and walk around. There was nothing for me to do but pace around the room in circles like a prisoner past the water cooler, past the fruit bowl, past the mattress and the TV that I never tried to turn on. I ran my hand along the white wall, feeling the small clothes of paint as if they contained messages. I took off my underwear to see if maybe I had my period, but I did not. I sat back down on the mattress. Soon another militant came inside. He was huge and spoke in a loud, arrogant voice. Are you the sick one? He asked. Who else in here? I said back to him, but he refused to answer. None of your business, he said, then repeated. Are you the sick one? This time I nodded, yes, I am sick. He came in and locked the door. He had a gun attached to his belt, and I imagined grabbing it and putting it to my head. Just kill me, I wanted to say to him. But then I thought that if he saw me reaching for the gun, he would think of a punishment worse than death. So I did not try to do anything. Unlike the skinny guy before him, the new militant locked the door. This sent me into a panic. I stepped away from him and then dizziness took over and I fell onto the floor. Not completely unconsciousness but sick and foggy. He came and sat next to me and said, I think you are scared. His tone was not kind. It was mocking and cruel. Please, I'm really sick. I said to him, Please, Haji, I'm really sick. Please leave me. I repeated it over and over but he still came over to where I was lying and dragged me by the shoulders onto the mattress. The floor scraped against my bare feet and my calves. Again he mocked me. Do you like it here? He laughed. Do you like how they treat you here? You all treat me the same, I said. My head was floating and I could barely see. I lay where he had dragged me, closing my eyes and trying to block him out and forget about the room. I tried to forget who I was. I tried to lose all ability to move my limbs, to talk, to breath. He continued to taunt me. You are sick, don't talk, he said, putting his hand on my stomach. Why you are so thin, don't you eat? Haji, please leave me, I'm really sick. My voice faded into the air while he lifted up my dress. Don't you know how much I like you when you are like this, he said. Don't you understand that I like it when you are weak? Thank you for joining me.